Our passage for today is rather long. Uh, We're going to be looking at chapters 40 and 41 uh, from the book of Genesis. But to try and uh, save a bit of time, we're only going to read uh, some of chapter 41. So if you have a Bible with you, uh, it would be helpful to have it open at these chapters as we work through it in a few moments. But even now as we read uh, from chapter 41 together. I'm going to start by reading verses 1. To 16 of Genesis chapter 41, and as we read, we remember this is God's Word. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, Seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. And then behold, seven thin heads Blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. And then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying... I remember my faults this day, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us had dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And then we scan on over to verse 28 of the same chapter. Joseph speaking to Pharaoh. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Amen. We thank God for this reading 
of his truth. Let's come before God now in prayer and ask for his help to understand it. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to listen and understand what you are saying through your word today. We are aware that we are distracted people. We are aware that we can get tired and that it's a warm day. But we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us a supernatural ability, a power that comes only through the Holy Spirit, to understand and to believe what you are saying and that we might put it into practice in our lives this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, a number of weeks ago, uh, I confessed to you uh, how much of a nerd I am and that I actually like the Lord of the Rings books. I'm going to ask you to indulge me once again with a Lord of the Rings quote today, not from the book this time, but from the movie, and put up with the weird names that Tolkien used in his books. There's a scene in the movie where Gandalf the wizard is riding along a path and Frodo the young hobbit comes and accuses Gandalf of being late. To which Gandalf replies, A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Never late, never early, he arrives precisely when he means to. Our big theme, our our main point today is that God is like that. God does not show up late in our lives, nor does God show up early. God is there. He is at work precisely when he means to. God's timing is always perfect. And for us, that can be difficult. Because there's often situations in our lives where we would just love God to act, to do something there and then. Times when we wish God would do something sooner, that he would intervene to help us. In those times, I think it can be tempting to try and take things into our own hands, to try and manipulate the situation to get the things we want there and then. But that's not a good way to live. It's better for us to remember that God's timing is always perfect. He works his will in his time and in his ways. And that can be frustrating for us. But God's timing is always perfect. That's what we learn from this section of the life of Joseph. We pick things up with Joseph in the prison that Potiphar had thrown him in at the start of chapter 40. Uh, Before long, Joseph has some cellmates, the king's official butler and baker. These men have offended the king in some way and were thrown in prison. And the captain of the guard has put them under Joseph's care. We we saw that, that, that Joseph... Because God was with him, everything he did prospered. And so the the main, uh, the guard in the prison made Joseph his main man. So the cupbearer and the baker come into prison and they're put under Joseph's care. And it's not a coincidence. With God, there's no coincidences. They came into prison just at this time, at the right time when Joseph was there. Because God's timing is always perfect. 
And we see this as we continue through the story. Sometimes it seems as if things are moving slowly. Other times it seems as if things are moving very quickly. But all along, it is God whose timing is always perfect, who is moving the pieces. This kind of fits, I think, with the the overarching theme that we've seen in the life of Joseph so far. Can you think back to the, the previous weeks in the life of Joseph? We've seen that God is always at work and that God is always with his people. So it's not really something new for us to hear today. God's timing is always perfect and that's an ancient truth. That's something that Christians have known throughout the ages. But perhaps it's good to be reminded today. So these two prisoners are in prison with Joseph. And they have, they have these dreams. And Joseph gives them an interpretation each. I think it's really important to notice here that Joseph has a gift. Joseph has a divinely given gift for interpreting dreams. But that gift is only revealed to us because of God's timing. Just think about it. It's a long time since we first met Joseph. All the way back whenever he went to look for his brothers in Shechem and then in Dothan. And then remember his brothers sold him to the Ishmaelite traders. They brought him down to Egypt and sold him to Potiphar. If God hadn't planned and purposed all those things to happen at just the right time, then Joseph might not have met the cupbearer and the baker. And his opportunity for, to interpret their dreams would not have come about. And nobody would know about this gift that Joseph had. God's timing is always perfect. He's, he's brought everything together to allow Joseph's gift to be highlighted. And eventually it will be brought to the attention of Pharaoh. But that won't happen immediately. Joseph has to wait But thankfully, God's timing is always perfect. And so these dreams, and we don't have time to go into the dreams themselves. If you have time this afternoon, please do read them. The dreams are interpreted and they come to pass exactly as God has revealed them to Joseph. After three days on Pharaoh's birthday, the cupbearer is restored to his position, but the baker is killed. And then we're given a really important detail at the end of chapter 40, verse 23. The chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, if it weren't for the fact that God's timing is always perfect, we might fret at this detail. And so I think it's probably helpful. Let's imagine we've never heard this story before. When we read the Bible, it's helpful sometimes to take ourselves back to when those stories were first heard. The first time we heard the stories. Think about how this story works if you didn't know what was coming next. Can you see the sense of anticipation building throughout the story? All the previous situations have worked together to get Joseph to this point. He's brought down to Egypt, he's put in prison. He meets these men at just the time that they have these dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams correctly. Things are starting to build. Things come to pass exactly as Joseph has said. And he says to the cupbearer, remember me when it is well with you. 
Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. The anticipation is building and we're thinking to ourselves, Joseph's going to get out of prison. And then we get to the end of chapter 40, verse 23. The chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's a total anticlimax. And here we're left with Joseph in prison alone, with seemingly no hope. I wonder if any of you have ever been in that place. A place where hope was running high, your anticipation for what was about to happen next was building, and then just as it looks as if things are about to change, the bottom falls out, and you're left in the same place with the same problems and the same people. In those times, it's good to remember that God's timing is always perfect. This wasn't the moment for Joseph. That wasn't how God had planned it, but it was a step on the way. It is two full years later before we rejoin the action and Pharaoh has a dream. Two long years of waiting and waiting and waiting. Again, I know that some of you have been there. Waiting is hard. Being in that place is really difficult. One of the best descriptions I've heard about this is from the children's book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, by Dr. Zeus. Some of you have heard of Dr. Zeus. He writes about the waiting place for people just waiting. Waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or the mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring or the snow to snow or waiting around for a yes or a no, or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for a fish to bite, or waiting for the wind to fly a kite, or waiting around for Friday night, or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake, or a pot to boil, or a better break, or a string of pearls, or a pair of pants, or a wig with curls, or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. Have you ever been in the waiting place? I know I have. In those days we we feel like crying out to God, please just do something. I can't stand the waiting. Waiting for a diagnosis. Waiting for the treatment after a diagnosis. Waiting for that next opportunity. Waiting for a phone call from a loved one. Just Waiting. In these times we need to have great patience. Great trust. And we need to remember that God's timing is always perfect. The Bible is full of people waiting. It's not just Joseph. The book of Lamentations tells us it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Last Sunday we sang Psalm 130, David saying that he waits for God more than the watchmen wait through the night for the dawn. There are times and seasons in our lives when we simply must wait. And that's really hard. So if you're in one of those seasons right now, please be encouraged to hear this. God's timing is always perfect. 
the waiting will come to an end. And so eventually, after two full years, Pharaoh dreams a couple of dreams. Seven fat cows are eaten by seven skinny cows. Another dream, seven plump and healthy heads of grain are devoured by seven thin heads. But nobody can tell Pharaoh what these dreams mean. Finally, because God's timing is perfect, finally the butler remembers Joseph. And he tells Pharaoh, maybe this guy can help. And in his desperation, Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph is brought before Pharaoh and he's able to tell him exactly what the dreams mean. Verse 29, seven years of great plenty will come through all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and famine will deplete the land. Why was the dream repeated twice? Well, because God has firmly fixed that this is what will happen and it will happen soon. So all of a sudden, after all this waiting, Joseph is now the exact right man in the right place at the right time. Because God's timing is always perfect. So not only does he offer Pharaoh an interpretation, but he gives him advice. And Pharaoh recognises the same thing that Potiphar has seen, the same thing that the prison guard has seen. Pharaoh recognises that God was with Joseph. And so he says, verse 39, And as much as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph has risen from prisoner to prime minister. The roller coaster of his life is on the top once again. It's taken a very long time. Verse 46 of chapter 41 tells us that Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. If you think back, we first encountered Joseph as a 17-year-old boy back in the land of Canaan in chapter 37. But God's timing is always perfect. And he has brought Joseph through the ups and through the downs. He's allowed him to be in the right places at the right times. Allowed him to exhibit his gifts and talents to the right people. So 13 years later, at the age of 30, Joseph has risen to the highest possible position. Prime Minister of all Egypt. Now, in another time and another place... I think we could maybe preach one sermon on this whole life of Joseph. Uh, something maybe about the three garments that Joseph had. The first being the coloured cloak of his father. And then the, the second being the garment that he left in the hands of Potiphar's wife. And now the fine linen that he's clothed with by Pharaoh. You see those three kind of formative points in Joseph's life. But that's maybe for another time. Here and now I want you to notice the fine linen, the king's signet ring, a gold chain, the king's chariot, a new name and a wife. Joseph, who was made low, was put in prison in Egypt, is now exalted. He who was made low has been risen to the highest place 
of greatest esteem and highest authority. We read in verse 43 that everywhere Joseph went, people cried out before him, bow the knee. Such was the level to which he was raised. People bowed before this man. I think Joseph paints for us here a, a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. From the highest of heights to the lowest of lows. Just like Joseph went from being the father's favourite to being a prisoner in Egypt. The Lord Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death. Even the most despicable death on a cross. Philippians goes on. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Do you notice at the name of Jesus every knee should bow? Here we see that God's timing is always perfect. Here in Joseph, God is pointing us to Christ. In God's own time, he exalts his suffering servant to become the highest name. So that at his name, every knee will bow. God, in his perfect timing, exalts his suffering servant to the highest place. Why? So that the world might be saved. God's timing is always Perfect. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Joseph is very much the messianic figure in this story. Notice that he's being exalted, but he doesn't just sit in the palace and make sure his life is looked after. He could have done that. He could have said, let's store up enough grain for me and my family. But he doesn't do that. His integrity kicks in and he gets to work. He travels throughout the land. He has been brought to power by God for this moment. To go throughout the land and make sure that grain is stored away. That all people will be saved from the coming famine. God has risen up his servant in order to save the world. There's a really significant detail. The very last verse of chapter 41. We're told... All countries came to Joseph. All countries, all nations. This is an echo all the way back to Abraham. Remember God's promise to Abraham that he would bless all nations through his offspring? Here, Joseph is not only fulfilling that promise, but he's pointing us forward. He's pointing us to the day when through Christ, all nations will come before him. People from every tribe and tongue and nation. 
bowing the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ, who can save us not just from famine and not just for seven years, but who can save us from sin and save us eternally. And so it only really remains for me to ask you today, have you come to Jesus? Have you come from your home, from from your country, from this nation? For Joseph, this would have been beyond the end of the world. Have you come to the King of Kings? Not merely Pharaoh's second in command, but the one through whom Pharaoh has any power at all. Have you come to Pharaoh's king? The Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come to him to receive what only he can give? Everlasting life? It is my prayer that that we will all know today, in our own lives as it was for Joseph, that God's timing is always perfect. And because God's timing is always perfect, it is no coincidence that you are here today. God has called you here today to hear the name of Jesus and to say, come to Jesus, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus and receive from him all of the blessings and benefits that only he can offer us. The blessings and benefits of everlasting life, forgiveness of sins. Let me pray for us.